a lot of us get caught up in convincing ourselves that we're the victims. On this episode, the common patterns, how to recognize them in yourself, and a few practical steps to move beyond them. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 366. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. As leaders, we are all called upon to influence. And that influence comes from the place of being able to lead ourselves well first. And one of the themes you have certainly heard on this show over the years is the importance of us having that level of personal leadership. And one challenge that virtually everybody, probably I can fairly say everybody, deals with is not stepping into that victim role and how to, instead of being a victim, to be a victor so that we can not only uh, have better happiness in our own lives, but more importantly, from a standpoint of leadership, that we are better able to influence the world in a positive way, that we are better able to help others to move from victim to victor. And today's guest is an expert on this topic. He is going to help us to open up some doors for those of us who still struggle with this, which again, I think is most of us, me included, on somewhat of a regular basis. It's going to help us to really recognize the victim mindset and also to move to that victor mindset. I'm so glad to welcome John Sané to today's show. He is a trend specialist, business strategist, keynote speaker, author, entrepreneur, and a Singularity University faculty member. He works with clients across industries and around the world. He speaks about the future so that leaders and companies can ask the right questions about what it takes to be forever profitable. And he is the author of two books. The first one, What's Your Moonshot? future-proof yourself and your business in the age of exponential disruption. And he's also the author of the newly released book, Magnetize, Stop the Chase, Understand the Change, and Take Control of Your Future. John, so glad to welcome you to the show. Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I notice you're a fan as I am of the work of Dr. Carol Dweck, who is the uh, blockbuster bestseller of the book Mindset. And she said, the view you adopt for yourself profoundly affects the way you lead your life. What does that quote say to you? Well, I mean, profoundly is a big word. I would, I mean, I don't know if there's a bigger word than profoundly, but it's everything. I mean, the lens we look at ourselves and the world with actually is how the world reacts back to us. What we look for what we, is what we find. It's really fundamental in order for us to develop uh, the best versions of ourselves to become aware of that lens and that perspective. And one of the ways that the victim mindset tends to manifest itself is people being nasty to others or just showing up in bad ways in the workplace and their personal lives too. And one of the things I've, I've noticed that you teach is that that's often just a projection of the conversation that people are having in their own minds, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, I break down the three different types of victims that I suffered from. And just quite quickly, is I, I was very financially successful in my uh, mid-20s. 
and I lost all of it in my late 20s, early 30s. And I then slumped into a deep depression and suffered from different types of victimhood. And uh, I had no idea I was actually suffering from these different types of victimhood. And I think that's the genius of victim mindsets is that it's so deeply embedded in our perspective, we often don't realize we are. And we also attract friends and family that complain, moan, and don't take responsibility for the same things we aren't willing to. And then we justify our thinking and our perspective. But really what we're doing is disempowering ourselves. So the three different types of victim are firstly, the martyr victim, which I just spoke about just now, the, the classic victim. This is the victim that we all think about being a victim, a person who feels sorry for themselves for many different reasons. You didn't get the promotion at work. You ate far too much chocolate cake like before. You're feeling a little bit plumpy. I mean, there's so many different ways that we can go about feeling sorry for ourselves. The second victim mindset that I suffered from, I call the arrogant inferior victim. And the arrogant inferior victim is best described by, let's say, somebody's driving past in a Ferrari. And inside your mind, you quietly whisper to yourself, thief, as the Ferrari drives past you. Or if anybody got a promotion at work, you would claim that they maybe slept their way to the top. Or if you're sitting in economy class, you're speaking badly of all the people sitting in business class. And what you're doing is in your arrogance, you're making them inferior to yourself so you can feel better about yourself. Mm. And in that process, what we do is we never allow ourselves to get a promotion, drive a Ferrari or be in business class because you have to be a thief to drive a Ferrari. You have to sleep your way to get any promotions and you have to be a fool to fly business class or pay the prices for business class. So we disempower ourselves in that process. And the third one, my favorite one, the arrogant superior victim, the person that thinks that all problems are below them, they are arrogantly superior to all the fools below them that can't do anything right. And that can go from anything from being government, the black people, the white people, the pink people, the women, the men, you name it, whatever it is, you get together, you have a barbecue with your friends, you, you, you invite all your friends together and you stand there barbecuing, moaning and complaining and not taking responsibility and making it everybody else's fault and you leave and the only thing that's really changed is your blood pressure. And so what we have is these three different types of victims and the arrogant inferior victim and the arrogant superior victim. Most people don't think they're actually in victim mode. But what you've got to realize is when you've finished complaining and moaning, are you empowered or disempowered? Uh, one thing that really struck me reading through these descriptions in the book is seeing elements of all of these in myself at times still today. And you talk very openly in the book of, of still falling into some of these yourself. And yes. I, my thought was, is if you don't see yourself in some of these, you're probably maybe a little worse off because yes. you're probably doing it even more. Have you found that to be the yeah. case? Well, it's very difficult to take responsibility when you read something that tells you that you actually haven't been taking responsibility your whole life. You have created those pathways in your mind, and now somebody's telling you those pathways in your mind are actually not good for you. And very difficult to want to swallow that piece of information. And I like to bring it across in my book as in my problem, not in a preachy way, but in a way where I have suffered from these very debilitating mindsets. And... You know, we've got to become aware of them. And, and I'm hoping that the book does that. And I think it's done really well here in South Africa because of the fact of highlighting this idea that we are all silently, not all, sorry, most of us are silently in victimhood. 
Yeah, and I, I guess that's one thing I'm wondering about too, because I know you have some strategies on how we can move away from that. But first and foremost, one of the biggest pieces of work for us to do is to recognize some of the patterns in ourselves and to be able to identify it with it when we see them. When you're working with someone who you know, identifies with one or more of these, but they're not, not necessarily seeing it themselves or they're leading someone to try and to recognize these patterns. What do you see is an effective starting point for just recognizing that that's there? You know, I, again, are you feeling excited or anxious? Are you feeling empowered or angry? Are you feeling like you want to take over the world or you think the world is actually against you? And if you just take those emotions and try and describe which emotion you're having, victims are the one who are feeling disempowered, who are angry, who are complaining, who are moaning. And it's always in that sort of state of emotional state that you can tell that you're actually a victim. For me, it's the hyper-awareness around that and then understanding that the silver bullet is a process of moment by moment, minute by minute, day by day, process of accretion. And accretion is this term from the solar system where you have space dust that's floating around. And after a few hundred years, thousands of years, millions of years, this space stuff collides, this space dust collides, and eventually a star is born. And it's about this process of this, our lives are made up of these minute by minute rituals that become habits, that become behaviors, that become personalities. And what we've got to become clear on is that every single moment we have this incredible privilege of choice to take responsibility or to blame. Mm. I wonder if you could give me an example of what does that look like in a moment of the day or in an interaction or a decision? Well, I'll go back to the example I used. See the guy driving past in a Ferrari and wave at him and say, well done. I can't wait to get into one. No, I, I don't even like Ferrari. So, I mean, it's just, it's just a hypothetical explanation. <laughs> right. Whatever, right. Tesla, whatever car. I mean, whatever, whatever the thing is, whatever you want to be doing. I mean, if you read Jay-Z's book, he talks about how every time a sports car drove past him, he was always excited, impatiently waiting to get into one. He was never downplaying those people. So whenever you see somebody more successful than yourself, are you protecting yourself by trying to speak down to them inside your head. That's a very typical thing that happens to all of us. We all do it. And our defense mechanism is the arrogance. That is the process that we need to become aware of and saying, well, how do we learn from these people? How do we adopt their better value systems? And they're not gonna be perfect, of course not, but how do we learn from them and what they've achieved and how could I adopt some of those traits so I can move forward? So how it looks like is this very, very, intentional process to catch yourself having those conversations that are either empowering you or disempowering you with yourself, those conversations within yourself. And it's just that, you know, every time I finish a keynote, every time I finish a workshop with an executive board around the world, I, I often get the same question, John. So we love what you've spoken about. We understand what you're saying, but what is the one thing we can do? You know, yeah. everybody's in the sort of fast track to help us get out of this. And I often say, you know, it's taking you years to get yourself into this rut. It's going to take you a little while to get yourself out of it. And it's like going to a gym, you know, if you're overweight, what do you do? You start training, you start eating better, and it's a process to lose that weight. And emotionally, a lot of us are overweight. Can I break it down in a different way? Please. Victim mindset. Right. So 
I was listening to a interview the other day and, and it was such a brilliant distinction. And, and the guy went about saying this. He says that every single human being requires three things, attention, acceptance, and approval. We do everything in our lives to gain attention, acceptance, and approval. The cars we buy, the sports teams we follow, what we study, the people we hang out with, it's all about gaining attention, acceptance, and approval. And I think this is deeply ingrained in all of us as human beings. Victims beg for attention, acceptance, and approval. Mm. Victims become aggressive to gain attention, acceptance, and approval. Victims compete to gain attention, acceptance, and approval. Victors or high value people are the people who give attention, acceptance and approval. And when you're in a conversation and next time you're engaging, are you looking for attention, acceptance and approval or are you listening? Are you asking questions? And that for me is a great distinction between low value victim or high value victor mindset. For someone who's never thought that way before, thinking about those three words, what would be the kinds of things that would be indicators that either you're seeking those things from the other party or that you're the person perhaps that's providing those things? Well, I think, you know, the the sort of uh, begging for attention, acceptance and approval, we see a lot on social media uh, with the selfie craze, but we also see it in people feeling sorry for themselves phoning people and complaining that those people never call them or going into places and always complaining that the fact that they are not getting the same as somebody else, as far as attention is concerned. A lot of um, middle, um, listen, I'm Persian, so I speak with experience, uh, and I see a lot of uh, Middle Eastern mothers sit in this sort of place complaining that their kids never call them often enough. And that for me is almost like a victim mindset. It's almost like this, this low value begging for attention, acceptance and approval. And then the competing and the aggressiveness, that for me is, you know, we see that everywhere in the world. You know, men are in this constant competition to be beating other men in whatever, is it physical, is it business, is it balance sheet, is it car racing, is it clothes, you name it. Are we competing to gain more attention, acceptance and approval? Are we becoming aggressive? Are we fighting? Are we shouting out to actually gain that attention, acceptance and approval? And then when you think about Let's use the, the, the Tom Cruise movie, The Last Samurai. And if you think about how Tom Cruise's character was a low-value human being with a victim mindset, being aggressive and competing and trying to push people around, and then you look at the samurai fighter, he's elegant, he's deliberate, he is a high-value human being, he's calm in the way he comes across and is patient with Tom Cruise. One of the other distinctions that just emerged for me so prominently in your writing is that a victor is someone who doesn't take things personally. Tell, mm. tell me more about that. Well, you know, I suffer from that. <laughs> I still suffer from that. Even <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's like I've got a lot of like business partners around me and, and people I work with, and I distinctly see people that don't take things personally. And what they do is always give people the benefit of the doubt. They don't worry about being taken for a fool or taken for an advantage, taken advantage of. And for me, it's almost like I'm my radars on to think, hey, hang on, are you taking advantage of me? 
And so that comes up for me. And, you know, often people aren't. It's just my perspective of it. And so I work very much towards giving people the benefits of the doubt and being much more magnanimous in my approach towards people, even when they've done something that could be taken as if they were being focused on hurting me. But most often they're not. They're just unconscious, unaware, and just going through their lives. So for me, it's like, how do we go about looking at the macro perspective when we are engaging with people in the world and when we are able to be empathetic towards people's approaches towards us or towards any situation, we then move into a very powerful place where we don't get caught in the actual matrix matrix itself or the in the sort of entanglement, but we can step one step back and really start having a macro perspective of ourselves, our lives and our engagements with, with people and places and things. I think probably a lot of us are struggling with this a bit. You know, the world, after all, teaches us, you know, be careful, don't let people take advantage of you. And yet you've seen, as have I seen, people who are really able to set that aside and to really find the best in others very consistently, if not almost all the time. What is different about them? Thinking of the people you know who are really present in doing that, what's different about them or, or what, if anything, have you seen that they've done that's just different than what the rest of us are doing? You know, I, I'm, I'm really good at certain personality traits and that one I'm not good at. And I think that's the first thing that I think all the listeners should understand is that some people are just naturally inclined to be like that. Mm-hmm. And some people aren't. And if you aren't, you need to become aware of it. And the people that I've watched that are like that are just bigger. They're just bigger as, as personalities. They are able to see the people that they're engaging with from a different perspective. They're not caught up in that direct perspective and they're able to see that there's a bigger picture, a longer game at play. And by them putting their best foot forward, by them approaching the situation in this non-personal way, that person that could maliciously or unmaliciously going about doing what they're doing will eventually realize. And when they eventually realize that deep level of respect that's gained is unfathomable, it's unmatched really. And so for me, the characteristics they have is they see a bigger picture. They look at the situation in a macro level and they're playing a long game. You know, they, they, they see the world in a, in a, in a longer sort of process per relationship. One of the other areas you describe for victors is that they see everyone as equals. And um, in particular, I was struck by a word that you have featured in your work. And I I hope I'm going to pronounce this right. Interiority. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Tell us about this word. I haven't really come across this word before. So, I mean, we can look at the world in three different ways. Again, it goes back down to the same different victim mindsets I was talking about. We can look at the world through superiority, through eyes that see everybody below us. And I remember when I first started doing this research and writing about this, I realized that different parts of my life, I approached them with these three different perspectives. So superiority, where I felt superior to people, and it's that arrogant superior victim mindset. Inferiority, obviously, is the victim mindset, is the person who sees everybody above them and can never reach their lofty position in life. But interiority, where we are able to see everything, everybody as a learning process, as an equal, what happens with somebody with an interiority is they gain leadership qualities automatically. People don't feel like they're being judged by you. They feel they can 
share with you openly and honestly when you're not looking at people through inferior eyes and through interior eyes, then people don't feel like they're above you because you don't want to bully them in any way, but you arrive at them eye to eye. And in that space of interiority, what we become are the best versions of ourselves where we're fluid, we're deliberate, and we're elegant. So it's looking at ourselves first, looking inward, and by doing that, then we are able to more easily look at the outside world and to see our brothers and sisters in the world as equals. Yeah, well, I mean, you have to do the self-healing. You have to go through the process of self-discovery, understanding your motivating factors, understanding what issues you have from your childhood that you haven't dealt with, what issues that you've been carrying with you. There's a great saying. It says, uh, are you living lives based on a set of memories of the past or are you living a life based on the vision of your future? And in this sense is that are you living on a repetition of hurts from the past? And once you've dealt with that, you automatically come out of it looking at everybody in an empathetic and interiority perspective. I know there's going to be people listening who heard you just say that and are thinking, ooh, I don't know if I've done that work. Uh, I'm not sure if I even know what you're talking about. For that person, what's a first step to begin to examine if they are really seen and operating at the level that they want to be operating at? How often are you getting triggered? How often are you letting something on the outside um, impact your mood? How often are you feeling powerless, frustrated, angry, not heard? All of these are indications that we are repetition. We in repetition of hurts from the past. We haven't empowered ourselves. We haven't dislocated from those hurtful memories. And uh, Tony Robbins in, in his uh, Netflix documentary talks about this. Are you living with conscious memories or unconscious memories? Are you blaming your past? Or are you empowered by your past? And for me, the changing and shifting of memories has allowed me not to get triggered. I get triggered, I must be honest, maybe 10% of my life I get triggered, the 90% I'm not triggered. And it's not that bad things, well, I say bad things, inverted commas, bad things aren't happening to me, but the way I approach them don't have a trigger attached to them. So firstly, when are you feeling all these sort of disempowering emotions? And then when you are, then ask yourself a deeper question of why are you triggered by this sort of thing? And if you don't figure it out yourself, get a coach, you know, get somebody that can help you dedicate time to you, invest in you so that you can really start to unpack these sort of scenarios that have been with us for most of our lives, if not all of our lives, and how we can unhinge from them. I'll give you one of my examples is my mom and dad got divorced when I was eight years old and I became the man of the house. And I, I kind of looked after my mom and my brother as an emotional surrogate partner. And I was desperate. And this is only in hindsight. I only figured this out a couple of years ago. But from 11 years old, I was in desperation for male acknowledgement. And I never got this acknowledgement. And throughout my life, it was a common occurrence for me to get beaten up by the older kids at school, by the bouncers in the nightclubs. And then I went on to become business partners with some, I call them corporate gangsters, but these people in, uh, in the restaurant game. And I owned many of the restaurants underneath this brand and I left bankrupt. And again, it was the cycle of this constant desperation for acknowledgement and this desperation for acknowledgement attracted abuse. 
other alpha males that had also had daddy issues that hadn't dealt with them playing themselves out with attracting somebody like me coming in there. And the minute I realized that it was all based on my lack of acknowledgement from being a child, that not having that father figure, how badly it impacted me, it was such a deep aha moment. I was in tears uh, for a long time, just really releasing all the pain that had come from that just one trigger. And now if you think back to your life, how many triggers do we all carry that kind of play themselves out in different scenarios in our lives. And often, you know, you see that, you know, you let you leave a you're living in a building, you have a very noisy neighbor, you move to another building and you have another noisy neighbor. And then you move to another building, you have another noisy neighbor, or you have always a boss that's abusive to you, no matter what job you're at. And you know, those repetition factors are also very much based on these childhood triggers that we haven't healed. So one of the things we can be watching for. I'm hearing from you is one is just how often those triggers are happening. But secondly is where do those triggers repeat themselves, right? And, you know, I guess there's the old phrase that, you know, you keep failing the lesson and and until you actually learn the lesson. Otherwise you're just gonna kinda kinda repeat the failures. And so part of that is just noticing that. And if you're noticing that a lot, that's the maybe the indicator to do some work on this. So to work with a coach or a therapist or someone that can help you to recognize those patterns. So you have the ability to you didn't use this word, John, but I'm, I'm, the word that's coming up for me is choice, that you have a choice to step out of the victim mindset because you recognize it. Well, I, I use that. I, I call it the incredible privilege of choice that we all have. Mm. And we need to become aware of the incredible privilege that it is because we all do. And that's the choice that we can utilize of what we focus on because our focused attention becomes our reality. Now, if you focus yourself on watching Crisis News Network every day, every day, every day, every day, guess what? That becomes your reality. I never watch the news. And so for me, whether it's happening or not is, I don't know, I'm, I'm living in my own world. I watch it from time to time, but it's not something that I inundate myself with. I don't bring it in as information that I need to have. And it's, so for me, it's just where do you focus your attention and whether you are able to make that choice or not always depends on whether you've taken the responsibility to ask the question whether you're a victor or a victim. I often ask questions in my keynotes of the audiences about a third of the way through the keynotes when I'm explaining these processes and I say, just by a quick show of hands, please all victims, put your hands up. (laughs) (laughs) It's a joke, but nobody puts their hand up because it's not an external emotional state. Yeah. It's an internal emotional state, and we need to become aware of that. And I just want to—I just want to say something—is that you know we live in an incredible time in humanity. We—and this is what my first book is about. What's your moonshot? Is if you think about it, if you wanted to impact a million people's lives 250 years ago, you need to be the emperor of an empire. If you wanted to impact a million people's a million people's lives 25 years ago, you need to be the prime minister or president of a country. If you want to make impact a million people's lives today, welcome to social media. Yeah. And so what we've got today is the ability and capability that was only reserved for governments and corporations in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. Today, we have such abundance available to us if we just get the right mindset and expose ourselves to the future. And this combination of getting the right mindset and exposing ourselves to the future is like an upward spiral towards ultimately being optimistic and energized. And if you don't expose yourself to the future, and if you continue on the lack of responsibility for your mindset, you're on a downward spiral 
towards victim mindset where nothing works for you, you know? And I know this so deeply myself because just six, seven years ago, I was struggling to pay rent. I was struggling and being so angry and frustrated and blaming and shaming so many different things and people. And when the aha moment came for me and when I started working through it and I now live between New York and Cape Town, you know, I now move around the world. I'm, I'm, I'm earning fantastic money and I'm just almost like in a very different world that I was six, seven years ago. And so I really, I'm telling you this from my own deep experience of frustration and pain to now of elation and excitement. Yeah, that's exactly why I invited you on this topic because, you know, you've lived this life and you've seen both sides and, and you speak about it so authentically. And, you know, what you just said, I'm thinking back to something I heard you say on a video or in your book of just like, this is what an amazing time to be alive. And I'm totally with you on that is, you know, years ago, if you did really good work on this, there were a lot of good things that came out of it, of course, but the payoff today for people who are doing a very good job of moving more toward the victor mindset and of doing the work you've talked about and, and taking the actions you've talked about in this conversation, uh, the payoff is is exponentially higher. The ability to influence the world in whatever uh, circle of influence you're in is just incredible, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'm saying, as you're saying this, I'm almost like giggling to myself because I'm like, that's exactly it. Look at the upward spiral. You just change the energy in the conversation. You're like, oh my God, there is so much going on around us. I mean, can people wake up and actually realize this? And when I am doing my keynotes, it's mostly for corporations. And I'm like, guys, it's the age of the spectacular human being. Today, we've all almost got equal footing with the internet. We've almost got equal access to the millions of people, equal access to capital raising, equal access to so many of these different things, you know, and I'm so enthused and, and I'm so energized to want to get out there and, and, and help people combine human psychology and future studies, you know, how do we go about exposing ourselves, categorizing and contextualizing the future for ourselves, our family, our organizations, our businesses, in order to prepare better, very much in line with our perspective, our lens, and the optimism we choose to focus on. You teach this as well to your audiences that leaders are always learning. You've been on a whirlwind of growth over the last decade, especially the last few years in your own work and with clients. Uh, as you've written these books, as you've gone out into the world and worked with leaders and, and coached and consulted, what have you changed your mind on in the last few years? Well, that's a great question. I think as I move towards a clearer version of who I am, I have prioritized authenticity and transparency in leadership over everything else. I used to prioritize success, not significance. I used to prioritize power, not positive impact. And when I used to look at these leaders back in, you know, six, seven years ago, that was what I was actually craving for looking at. And today it's much more about the heart-led, purpose-led, authentic, courageous leader that uh, really enthuses me. And I see it in all age groups, in all genders. Um, and it's not just about an older person that has it. I see it in a lot of young people around the world, this very deep authenticity and sincerity in, in what they're trying to achieve. 
And it seems like so much I'm hearing those words, authenticity, sincerity in the work that so many influencers are doing these days. And if we're able to have the courage to step into that and to do what you've talked about today is the courage to move a little bit beyond the victim mindset, then the capacity to influence the world's pretty profound. Oh, hugely profound. You know, and I love that you just said capacity. And that's another step in the process is how much capacity do we hold in our consciousness? How much capacity do we hold in our own perspective of ourselves, of what we can hold energetically? Like how much money can we hold? How much influence can we hold? And and that capacity that, that we build within ourselves is of utmost importance. And I've done a lot of work around my capacity and if not just the capacity, but do I have any leaks in my containers? Can I fix all those leaks, whether it's a physical leak or a emotional leak or a mental leak? And can I fix those leaks and can my capacity grow and can I hold more and can I teach more and can I grow more? And in that process, you then become inspirational to people. And really what inspiration means is in spirit with or in line with your purpose, just like enthusiasm and enthew comes from the Greek with God or with spirit. And when you're enthusiastic and inspired, that's what people feed off and fuel off. You know? And uh, it just seems so simple when I've done the work now to look at it and go, oh, it's, it's a capacity holding. It's dealing with your memories. It's becoming conscious of your victim mindset. It's all these sort of tool sets that are so vastly available to us today online that nobody's really got an excuse. No excuse. John Sane is the author of the book, What's Your Moonshot? Future-proof yourself and your business in the age of exponential disruption and also of magnetize. Stop the chase, understand the change, take control of your future. John, I appreciate your message and the practical actions and the inspiration to move us forward. Dave, thank you so much for having me. And it's been a great pleasure. Another key way to keep from falling into that habit and staying in the place of being a victim is to surround yourself with people who are going to challenge you to keep moving forward. That is a big value in our Coaching for Leaders Academy movement relationships that challenge us, support us, and keep us moving forward. I've been talking with a number of you in the listening community over email and a few people live about next applications opening. I am happy to announce that the next application period, in fact, the final application period for 2018 for the Coaching for Leaders Academy will be opening on Monday, September 10th. 2018. So just a few weeks away from when we're airing this. If you are interested in learning more about the Academy and would like to get on the early alert list so you could apply early and be considered early for uh, for membership in the Academy, go over to coachingforleaders.com slash Academy. The Academy is an exclusive year-long leadership development cohort It's an intimate group of participant leaders who work personally with me to develop leadership excellence and empower each other. It's a global community of our listeners and doing all kinds of things to continue to support each other over the course of the year. So again, if you'd like to learn more and get on the early alert list for applications opening September 10th, 2018, go to coachingforleaders.com slash academy. And I also hope that you will consider tapping into some of the related conversations to 
today's episode. If this conversation was helpful to you, I think you might also find a value. Episode 85, 10 ways to pick yourself up when you're beaten down. It's not a matter of if you're going to get beaten down. It's just a matter of when and when it does happen for all of us, how quickly can you move beyond that? In episode 85, I detailed 10 things that have worked for me and I've seen work for others to pick yourself up. So if that is where you are today, go ahead and check that out again, episode 85. Also, episode 232, I mentioned this one recently, but it's also related to today's episode, how to manage your inner critic. Tara Moore was on that episode. I've heard so many great pieces of email and feedback over the years since we aired that episode of how helpful her language and her thinking was on that of how to manage your inner critic. Of course, that's a big part of uh, victim thinking as well. If you find yourself with your inner critic talking to you a lot and holding you back, episode 232 is definitely one to check out. Also would recommend episode 308, The Power of Solitude. And Mike Irwin was my guest on that episode from talking about his book uh, on solitude in leadership. And if you want to move beyond the victim thinking, uh, getting in a place where you start to do some thinking of your own and get in a place of not just being captivated by the day's events on a regular basis is really helpful. And he talks about what are some of the practical ways we can do that as leaders in that episode. Again, that's episode 308. All of those you can find at the Coaching for Leaders website. Just go to coachingforleaders.com slash podcast. You can search there by topic. And if you haven't yet set up your free membership, when you get there, you can establish your free membership on the website uh, right at coachingforleaders.com. It'll give you access to the entire podcast library, searchable by topic, my own personal library of everything I'm finding online and databasing our member cast, all of the book notes from all the books uh, of the authors that I have on the show, plus a ton more. And you'll also get immediate access to my free 10-day audio course titled 10 Ways to Empower the People You Lead. All of that at coachingforleaders.com. Just set up your free membership and you'll get access to everything. Next week, I'm glad to welcome Nada Wenzel to the show. She is going to be joining me to teach us how to support peak performance, not as an expert in building safety and behavior change cultures and organizations. She's based in Australia. She has a ton of great thinking, and I think you'll appreciate her stories and the challenge she'll give us to support peak performance. Thank you so much to IJ Speaks here in the States for the kind review you left on Apple Podcasts. My goodness, so many of you have left reviews in the last few weeks or you've taken a moment to give a rating. Thank you if that's been you. Uh, if you have a moment, go to coachingforleaders.com slash Apple to do so. Hey, if you're an Overcast user and this episode was helpful today, uh, hit the star button on the app to help recommend it to others. Thank you in advance if you do either. See you back next week for my conversation with Nada Wenzel. Take care.